So, a couple weeks ago when we recorded, we were talking about the impending release of this, like, mysterious Taylor Swift property. Yes. Um, it has now been released. It is in the world. It is in the world. It's called Me. Exclamation point. Exclamation point. All caps, exclamation point. Yes, Me. Me. It's the most millennial song there ever was. <laughs> <laughs> Featuring Brendan Urie from Panic at the Disco, which, when I learned that, the night before i was like oh that's exciting like yeah his voice just takes me right back to high school oh yeah is what it does for me and so we listened before we talk about me let's talk about that for a second like we listened to panic the disco's one song Mm -hmm. from the early 2000s one i did not realize he wrote that when he was 17 and that he was 18 when that song came out oh he's younger than i thought he's 1987 oh okay yeah so he really does take me right right, back to high school right there in between us yeah um also, there, there are no lyrics in that song. It is just the chorus over and over and over and over what and over. What song is this? Um, I Write Sins, Not Tragedies. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. And so, I think that's funny. Yes. He, since then, I Wikipedia'd him because mm-hmm. I did not know him by his name. Mm-hmm. So when I saw Brandon Urie, I, Wiki, I Googled that. Yeah. And saw Panic at the Disco, which Panic also has an exclamation point. Panic! Which makes me wonder if disco. that's why me has an exclamation point. Maybe so. Um, But I, what has he been doing? He's I like the know. last standing member. He's the last original member mm-hmm. of Panic at the Disco, which apparently still is a band. Mm-hmm. But he's the last They have that guy. one song that's on the radio, High Hopes. Yes. Which I think is catchy yes, and good. Yes, fine. Um, yeah, I'm curious why she chose him, except I guess when in my Google search, I found that she had done an, he had done an interview where he said of anybody, they like asked the interviewer, was like, who would you collaborate with if you could collaborate with anyone? And he said Taylor Swift. Mm. And so... We know Taylor Swift's at home Googling herself occasionally. So. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, so what do you think about this song? I love it. I, um, Jordan was working until midnight that night, so I did actually stay mm-hmm. up and watched it. And the video is very fun. The video is fun. I mean, I always think videos are weird. Yeah. Um, they're not for me. Yeah. Uh, generally as no. an art form. No, nor for me. <laughs> um, but I thought, here's what, I thought exactly what I think of almost every Taylor Swift single she's ever the, the released. The pre-album single. Yes. Yeah. I think, this is fine. And then the album I wind up loving. Right. So this very much reminded me of Shake It Off. Yeah. Which I think is fine. Yeah. Um, and that's how I feel about this. Meaning it's catchy. Mm-hmm. I'll have it memorized by the end of the summer. Uh-huh. Um, but I expect her album to be much better. And the thing, like, I, I, mo- I mostly agree. I think it's fun. I like how it sounds. I like the brass. Yeah. I like the like male-female harmony. That's yes, always fun I do for too. me. Um, what I don't love about it is just that it is, there is so little substance. Yes. Um, and it's so much less personal than most of her other work. Yes. Which, like, the personal is universal. It's the personal that gives her songs weight, right. that gives her songs any kind of meaning, and this is just very abstract. It's just... And very fluff. general. It's, it's very, very much fluff. Poppy and fluff. That's disappointing to me a yeah. little bit, but I like it for what it is. Yeah, and see, like, I find, that's how I find Shake It Off to be, so yeah. I feel like this is fine. Yeah. Like, she'll recover you're, you're in the totally album. You're totally right. Now, we did want to talk about the, I do not understand Taylor's incessant need to Do the spoken speak track? Speak. And in it's her always songs. in the pre album single. Yes, and, and it only in the pre album single. Me. <laughs> Bananas. And it's particularly bad this time. Do people... Here's what I want to know. I really like Taylor Swift. Do people really like her 
First of all, I don't like anybody talking to me in their songs. <laughs> I'd like to be clear. I actually, I forget, another. there's another song where, like, they start talking to me. And, I'm like, no, I don't need you to talk to me. Just sing at I me. I just need you to sing. And that is how I feel when I listen to Taylor Swift. But do you think there are people there who really, out there, who really do like it when she talks? There must be. Because why? Are we still doing it? Because spelling is fun. It's fine. I mean, I do think spelling is fun. I just feel like this is not necessary. And also nobody's spelling right. in that bridge. Right. It's not B-A-N-A-N-A-S. No. And that's spelling. Yes. Um, I also heard in a brief like Instagram live thing that Taylor Swift and Bren- Brendan Urie did that like he wrote the bridge. That like Taylor Swift and their producer Joel Little were like stuck on this song and then Brendan Urie came in and was like, I got it. Spelling is fun. Yeah. He was just like, there ain't no I in team. And they were all like, yeah, that's it. And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Trust your instincts there. But um, I think that's easily the low point of the song. Yes, I think so too. I mean, I'm no music critic, but... And I'm not either, but... But that is for me... And I still keep on singing through to oh, the sure. end. But that to me, I'm like, I could just fast forward right through this. There could be some better words here. Yeah. Probably. For sure. Even in the same meter. When do you think the album's going to come out? Mm. Soonly. Right? So I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. Because I think the, bah, the song is bah, funny. Bah. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. <laughs> and scene. Welcome to episode 221 of From the Front Porch, a collection of conversations on books, small business, and life in the South. My name is Chris Jensen, and we're in the end game now. And I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. We both don't really sound like ourselves today. No, we don't. I don't, I don't have a voice at certain yeah. pitches. <laughs> no, and mine's a little, a little raspy. A little vocal fry. Yeah, a, a little bit. If I talk down here. Yeah, let's not do that. (laughs) People Um, would stop listening. Yeah, or we could just sound like we're on NPR. That's true. Look, I never understood the big thing about vocal fry. No, I don't either. It's voices. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We're humans. Yeah. (laughs) It is what it is. It is what it is. But yeah, I can't decide if it's allergies or independent bookstore day and exhaustion. Mm -hmm. And But I weirdly have a voice sometimes but then when I was reading stories at story time I lost mm-hmm. again so who knows yeah I think you strained yourself yes I think I did as well but we do what we can we persevere <laughs> uh yeah it's the end of the month praise the lord yeah we did it like we say at the end of every month wow <laughs> we did. we made it look it is such a miracle at the end of every month when I look back at all the things done in a month. Yeah. I'm like, no, this is an accomplishment. This is something to be proud of. Absolutely. <laughs> so we survived. We survived. I finished and submitted my dissertation. Congratulations. So you, you guys don't have to hear me whine about that anymore. Well, we'll listen to you whine about defending it. Yeah. And then we're cutting you but off. But only for the next three weeks. That's right. Um, and then I'm done. And, and I don't know. I'm not that worried about that. Knocking <laughs> on wood, but... Yeah, that's not the part that I'm concerned about. Post-grad life. Post-grad life I'm very <laughs> concerned about. I don't know what that you looks You should like. watch that Alexis Bledel movie, Post-grad. Oh, I don't even know about that. Yeah, I feel like I maybe rented it. 
it I don't think obviously it was particularly good, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's about that post grad life. My I was talking I've been talking to my students about my dissertation all semester obviously because it relates to our class material. Okay. And so it, it made sense to talk about it. And it became very clear to me the week I submitted it that they really didn't know what it is Mm -hmm. or what it looks like because I got several email like encouraging emails or like good luck on your presentation or like good luck on the paper you're writing and so then the day after I submitted I came to class and I was like thank you so much I do need to explain what it is that I did (laughs) I wrote a 69,000 word 200 page 500 footnote book yes document on, on this subject um I, I didn't make a presentation. I will be Each presenting Each of my chapters it. was 40 pages long. <laughs> I will pre- be presenting it in three weeks, and I yes. will accept your congratulations then. then. <laughs> and then, hopefully, I will, you know, assume my new title. Um, but until then, thank you for your kind words. So nice. Um, but also, please understand what it is that I did. <laughs> um, but this means that I have begun to dip my toes into reading again. Hooray! Which is fun. I already have had some... Instagram interactions with some listeners about that, but let's talk first about what you got to read this month. All right. The first one is The Liar's Club, Mm -hmm. which I won't go into detail here because we've got a whole episode about it if you missed it. Um, This is a backlist title that we read for Backlist Book Club. Mm -hmm. I had not read any Mary Carr uh, prior to this title, and I'm so glad I read it, and I'm actually now very interested in reading her book um lit lit which i think is the one is that the one about her faith that's the one i'm interested yes. in um and alcoholism yes i'm very curious about about that i really like her writing style um i can see where so many other memoirs have come from yeah which is kind of how i felt about rebecca the first time i read it right. so really liked liars club had no idea mary carr was really a southern writer oh yeah um so that was fun new information for me so i really enjoyed it and i encourage you to listen to that episode um yeah. hunter and i had a really good conversation that was a really really great conversation um highly encourage going back two or three episodes and finding that yeah um but so then i really began i guess in uh-huh. earnest the reading my reading month with the body in question which I totally read. It comes out in June. Totally read based on Olivia's insistence. Okay. So she picked this one up. It's thin, super thin. So it's going to be good summer reading. Um, but it's all about a woman who serves on a jury. And I think you would like it because mm-hmm. she remains nameless throughout most of the book. Instead, we know her by her juror number. Okay. Um, the It kind of takes you through the jury selection process a little bit. Um, but it's mainly about this woman serving on a jury in central Florida and it's a murder case about a young woman who murdered or who is accused of murdering her toddler, uh, little brother. Okay. Um, so dark premise. Yeah. I'd like to be clear. Lucy, we were all three talking about it one day and Lucy was like, well, I want to read it too. And then I told her the premise and she was like, never mind. (laughs) So this is for a certain type of reader because the premise alone is pretty dark. Um, I loved it from the legal standpoint. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really well written. I liked the fact that we that everyone was kind of nameless, that we kind of understood them from their juror numbers. Right. Um, and the book, probably the last 20 to 50 pages, kind of turned that on its head. After the trial ends, we get to know people by their names. And th- I thought that was a really cool plot device. Um, 
really led me and Olivia to have some serious conversations about jury duty in this country. Mm. Um, I think for the most part, the book is pretty realistic, but there are some things that felt not so much. And I don't know necessarily if that's because that's how the author felt or because the narration we're receiving is supposed to be kind of biased, um, maybe unreliable. That sounds interesting. Yes. It's extremely interesting. Very well written. Fast, fast read. Like I think I finished it in one night and then was able to come back the next day and have very impassioned conversations with Olivia about jury duty and why you should serve on a jury and what are the ethics of serving on a jury. And to me, that's exactly what books are for. Yes. It was so fun. I mean, I joke that that's one of my favorite parts about working at the bookshelf is mini book club because mm-hmm. if a couple of us read the same book, we wind up having a conversation right. about it. And we really were able to get a conversation for days out of the body in question. That's so great. Yeah. So it comes out, I believe, in June. Um, really, I think, outstanding, unique book. I'm not even quite sure what I would compare it to. Maybe Defending Jacob. Um, but yeah, really liked it. Cool. Yeah. Um, the next one you read also comes out this summer. It comes out in July. Yes. Um, it's Family of Origin by a friend of the podcast, C.J. Hauser. Did we talk about this on air? Briefly. Okay. Yeah. Um, Why we, did we do that? I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. It came up for context. some reason, but we okay. definitely mentioned it. Okay. Um, we will have her on the show in mm. July, um, right around the time that the book comes out. Yay. Um, and this is next on my list. Yes. Um, I brought it with me to the beach on Sunday and then read something else, uh-huh. but like it was in my bag of my choices. It's made, you've actually gotten to the point where you can bring choices. I brought choices. <laughs> it was so fun. I yeah. brought, and the thing is, and I know you'll understand this, I brought five choices yes. for the five hours I was going to spend at the sure, beach. Sure, I do understand that. Um, <laughs> you don't know what mood you're going to be in. I didn't know what mood I was going to be in. Yeah. And then I did end up reading about 50 pages on the beach, which I've never been able to do. Yeah. Um, so that was super fun. But oh, let's talk about Family of Origin. Because I'm so excited about this book. Yeah, so this one, if you follow me on Instagram, um, I do book reviews of books I have finished. This is one that I did not give any stars to because of our relationship with CJ. It felt like, oh, I know CJ, mm-hmm. so I want to be careful. I don't want to appear too biased. But now that I'm on this podcast, I can say that I think this might be one of my favorite books of the year. Uh-huh. Um, it was a five-star. If I'm rating things, uh-huh. it was five-star for me. Um, just because... The writing, again, is outstanding. Um, Some really interesting um, themes, I think, that she... Themes that I love. Uh Themes of faith and science and belonging and identity. Uh All things that I love. We've talked about them many times on this podcast. But handled in a very different way from Inheritance, the memoir. But at the same time, like this would make a great companion to Inheritance. Um, Because you have Mars exploration playing a small (laughs) role. You have reversalism, like this idea that the Earth is actually devolving Uh step by step. Like that's playing a role. So you've got some Darwinism happening too. Um, some Florida Gulf Coast kind of things happening, like geographically, some setting things that I really liked. Um, There is some light incestuousness. But only kind of. It's only kind of, but I think until you see where CJ is going with it. It might be off-putting. So some people are going to be confused. And look, that's why I'm really impressed, because I think 
what CJ does with this book is really interesting mm-hmm. and really unique and something I had not read before. Um, and so if you can trust her, and I'm telling you that you can, if you can trust her to kind of take you on a ride, mm-hmm. it will be worth it in the end. But you kind of don't know where she's going with some of these things. And if this sounds, because as I'm describing it, it certainly sounds more of a Chris book than mm-hmm. an Annie book. But, but if Annie gave it five stars. Yeah, well, <laughs> I just feel like CJ grounds it yeah. in a way where, yes, it's got some of those quirks and weird oddities mm-hmm. that you really love yes. and that make fiction somewhat speculative. Right. But at the same time, it's grounded and centered in a way that will make a reader who maybe is occasionally put off by speculative literature, you'll still enjoy it. Yeah. So the Chris's and Annie's of the world, like this is where this our is Venn a diagram. very, very good Venn diagram yes. book. Yes. Um, and I think that Venn diagram is to be fair, pretty large. It is large. Um, but then there are definitely some some non-overlaps, and yeah. this is squarely in the middle. Yeah, and I um, guess I'm just thinking of readers who might normally think, well, you just said Mars exploration, uh-huh. I'm out. But I, Yeah, this book is not about going to Mars. Yes, like that's just like a kind, like a tiny little... It's a subplot. Yes. Um, Tyler Goodson from Avid Bookshop said something, I forget his exact review, but it really was so well written. It's just a couple sentences, and it was kind of like... Weird sex, but really good book. Like, like, <laughs> like, and there is like, you just have to kind of go with her and trust her. And I think if you can do that, you'll be really glad you did. CJ is one of the most thoughtful people I know. Yeah. Um, and so it's no surprise to me that the book her literature reflects, r- reflects it. that. Yeah. Um, if you have been listening to us for any amount of time, you've heard us talk about the From Away is her first novel. Yeah. This is a departure from that for sure. For sure. Um, but. I'm so, so, so excited to read this in the next month or two. Yeah, it's excellent. Um, What's next? So Ask Again Yes is also going to be on my best of the year list. And in fact, between Family of Origin and Ask Again Yes, I actually experienced a somewhat of a reading slump in the Mm. middle of April because these were such good books. Two two really good ones back to back. Yeah, two really good ones back to back. So Ask Again Yes comes out this summer. I said this on Instagram, and I'm going to say it publicly on this podcast. If Book of the Month chooses this book, and I do not get to pick it for my shelf subscription, <laughs> I am going to be, in my words, P-I-S-S. Like, I'm going to be so upset. Because, you guys, I love, obviously, I think Book of the Month Club is like the I Ching of subscription services. Right. But I get so frustrated as a bookseller sometimes because I'm like, wait, I wanted to give you that book. <laughs> like, let me. Let me. Let my staff. Like, I wanted to share this with you. This book is so good. So if you like Commonwealth by Ann Pacha, which came out a few years ago, um, this one is kind of right in that same vein where it's these two kind of Irish-American cops. They move their families to the suburbs. They live next door to each other. And... Um, then their youngest children become deep and lovely friends. And okay. you can, and it's a guy and a girl, a young boy and a young girl. And you can kind of see that perhaps in a, eventually there uh-huh. will be a love story here. I do not want to give very much away. This is another book that I feel like the internet is going to love and adore. And I'd like to just go ahead and tell people like me who are wary of hype uh-huh. that that this one is going to be worth it. This one's actually good. Yes. Um, so so don't let the internet deter you. I think sometimes, unfortunately, in our excitement, yeah. we can get carried away. Yeah. Um, but this one is so worth the hype. I don't want to give too much away, but Dysfunctional Family Story 
um, that really goes through multiple voices and multiple generations in a way that is remarkably beautiful. Um, the writing is excellent. The storytelling is strong. And even if you are a character, okay, wait, how do I want to phrase this? Even if you are a plot driven person, Mm -hmm. and I do think this book is heavily character driven, Mm -hmm. it keeps you going, um, very much like Celeste Ng's Little Fires Everywhere, which which I weirdly read. Okay. I adored that book. And for Uh the first time I came across some people who did not like that book. And you know, that feeling when you're like, wait, but what? Like, I'm sorry. What do you mean? <laughs> yes. Like I had this moment of, wait, I thought we all agreed universally that that was excellent. Um, but if, if Little Fires Everywhere and if Commonwealth appealed to you, Ask Again Yes is doing those same things and yet this book feels utterly original. So you're not going to feel, like at first, maybe the first couple of chapters, I was like, this is Commonwealth. And then I was like, no, this is doing something very different mm. um, in a really good way. I so, love that. Yeah. Ask Again Yes. One of I think it's going to be in my top 10 of the year. I'm intrigued by this title of the next one, um, How Not to Die Alone. Okay. Needed something fun. Ask Again Yes was really good, mm-hmm. but needed like a breather. So obviously, How Not to Die Alone sounds totally light and fun. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it sounds jokey. It reminded me, it's The Rosie Project meets Eleanor Oliphant. Oh, okay. So I do sometimes wonder if we're getting like... You know, in TV, we're like, this is us is excellent. So now we've got lots of family dramas on TV. Okay. We love a quirky character. So here's like a bajillion of them. Uh And they're not all good. Right. The two I just named really were. The Rosie Project was great when I first read it. I'm assuming I would stand by that today. Eleanor Oliphant was great. How Not to Die Alone is the first time I'm starting to get a little weary of Mm. of that plot device. However, if you like quirky main characters, quirky protagonists who you want to root for and you like a slight love story and yeah. And Eleanor Oliphant was really appealing to you and you missed her when you were done. Then this will provide, Mm. this will fill that void for you. Um, I will say the, this particular book's handling of suicide, I will not call it problematic because I don't think it was problematic, Mm. but it was surprising to me. Okay. It felt like, um, no spoilers, but a suicide or an attempted suicide does take place in this mm-hmm. book. And it kind of came a little bit for me out of nowhere. I don't know if that will be true of every reader. And it was relatively tidied up very quickly. Okay. In a way that I was like, but wait, I would think there'd be fallout from what this. What about the <laughs> ramifications yes. of this? I see. However, this book... I mean, that's the whole point of this book is it's dealing with those things, serious things in a comical way. Right. And so, kind of flippantly. Right. And I so see. I think this is just the 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 way the tone of this book is. That's why I'm not going to call it problematic. Uh-huh. It's just the tone of this book. Right. So I, I do think it's fun. The main character loves model trains. And so model trains play a role in this book. Okay. And his job is fascinating. And it's where the title of the book comes from. He, this takes place in Britain. He is a person who is called upon when someone dies alone to go figure out if there's a next of kin. So he has to go to the apartment, okay. kind okay. of do some almost investigating to figure out, is this per- does this person have someone uh-huh. in their will? Like, how are we going to afford to bury this person? Which was an interesting, interesting premise. Yes, yeah. which was a really interesting thing to think about. I had never thought about it. It's kind of like that movie Sunshine Cleaning. 
Yes, which I never saw. I didn't either, but I really wanted to because yes. I thought the premise was so good. Yes, so very similar kind of themes and undertones here. So then not only is that going on, but he has told all of his fellow employees and coworkers they like in the job interview, I guess, asked him like if he had a family and I think he just made one up on the spot, not mm. thinking he would get the job and now has the job and his, all of his coworkers think he has this wife and two children and he goes home alone every night to his uh-huh. trains. And so, and does he keep that lie going? Yes. Okay. Keeps good. the lie going. So anyway, real, I think you can tell by my description real quirky. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but in a way I really did enjoy good. Like, and again, I could feel myself kind of start to be, could like starting to be tired of this quirky protagonist has to figure out life with like serious complications underneath mm-hmm. of like mental health. So I feel like I've read this book before and yet this was different enough where I would encourage you if you did like Eleanor Oliphant that you would enjoy this. Cool. That sounds good. Yeah. Um, talk to me about Field Notes on Love. After How Not to Die Alone, that's when I had my reading slump. Like, it was like, I read How Not to Die Alone, mm-hmm. and then I was like, I don't, I'm so tired, I don't know yeah. what to read. I also will be talking about some books I didn't finish, okay. because there was a whole slew of them that I just gave up on. Are we going to do that on the what, Patreon show? Yes. Okay, good. Because I, that never happens to me. <laughs> and I just was like throwing books, not like, throwing nope. books away, nobody panic, but like, I was like throwing books, like giving this one to the free library, don't need uh-huh. this, like... So that's good. Yes, it was. It was also hard Yeah. because I was like, wait, I'm not finishing anything. Um, Field Notes on Love is a new book by Jennifer Smith who wrote Windfall, which was one of my favorite YA Mm -hmm. books about the lottery. Loved that book. This one uh, is about two teenagers. They're going to college. One lives in England. One lives in America. The guy who lives in England uh, breaks up with his girlfriend. They had decided to take a train trip together from New York to California where she was going to school. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this premise is really clever. That's why I'm giving it to you. Uh, the The girlfriend's name was like, I don't know. I can't even remember. But she had a name. And the train ticket was in her name. Okay. So, of course, she's no longer going on the train trip. He still very much wants to go on the train trip. So he decides to put out a personal ad. Do you have this name? name. Yeah. And then they travel, (laughs) they take this train trip together. That's cute. So super cutesy premise. Um, Here's the reason I was not bored by this book. Because I had the potential, it had the potential to be a little bit um, one note. Yeah. I think Jennifer Smith is actually a really good YA writer. Like, I really fall in love with her characters. And the case is very much true of Hugo, who's the male protagonist. So it alternates between Hugo and May, um, between their voices. Mm -hmm. But he is like one of seven children in Great Britain. I'm sorry, one of six. And they're sextuplets. Oh. And so they're famous in Great Britain. And he is trying... I thought that was very fun, how he's trying to like overcome that reputation. Right. He's trying to figure out who he is, and I just completely fell in love with him. And a lot of times in YA books, I will fall in love with the female, uh-huh. and the male is like just fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt about Hugo the way I felt about Peter Kavinsky. I was uh. like, oh, you're adorable. You have depth. <laughs> I'm into this. Like, and so that to me was what elevated the book, maybe above, um, above some other YA romances. This is very solidly in the YA romance category. Mm-hmm. Um, 
not even particularly rom-com. It feels pretty rom, rom to me. Um, but if you like train travel, which I do, and if you like uh, a romantic plot line that's innocent and sweet, then Field Notes on Love. Is that great. sounds really cute. Yeah. Um, how about The Flat Share? The Flat Share is, again, something I read to help me get out of this reading slump. Um, I loved Flat Share. This is another book I think the internet is loving. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to wonder, is this worth it? Are people even reading this? Right. I read it. Really liked it. I'm going to be giving it four stars. Um, it's about the this woman who's kind of down on her luck. And she decides to share a flat but actually share a bed, which, question mark, uh, with a stranger. <laughs> okay. He works the night shift, so they never see each other. They never oh. meet. And she sleeps on the left side of the bed during the evening, and he sleeps on the right side of the bed during the day. That's funny. Yes. Somebody, I here's what I don't understand. Okay. Hollywood has given up on the romantic comedy, but the literary world has not. Right. There are books being written that mm-hmm. would make excellent films. Mindy Kaling, where are you at? Like, I understand <laughs> you're remaking Four Weddings and a Funeral. Sure. We don't need to do remakes. No. We have original content. We're done with remakes. We have original content you could be building on. Mindy Kaling, if you're listening, The Flat Share would make a great movie. It was so good and sweet and funny and clever and the premise was totally weird, mm-hmm. as is the case with most romantic comedies. Right. And I, t- I really loved it. That's really, great. really thought it was great. Um, PG thirteen. Gotcha. So, just a heads up. And then finally, uh, City of Girls. I don't want to. Sounds like a medieval text called City of Ladies, and I don't think it's the same oh, thing. They are different. <laughs> um, City of Girls is one I'm almost done with, so I want to talk about this more in May. When I probably, I think I will probably finish this May 1st. Um, But City of Girls is the new Elizabeth Gilbert book. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, this is the book that has been getting me through the reading slump, but I had to read other things because it is hefty. Like, it's almost 500 pages. Elizabeth Gilbert, her fiction is intense because I think her other one, Signature of All Things, was Mm -hmm. also pretty hefty. Um, Anywho, City of Girls, I am loving. So it's about this young woman who named Vivian who moves to New York City in like, oh gosh, let me try to put a year, 1940. So right, World War II is kind of um, gearing up. And she lives with her aunt, her kind of very eccentric aunt mm-hmm. who owns a theater, at like a play theater uh-huh. in New York. And she's introduced to this raunchy cast of characters like showgirls and Mm -hmm. all this kind of this world that she never knew about um at her like women's college she attended and got kicked out of and so now she's living in new york with her eccentric aunt and i can't even tell you so far i'm halfway through this book is just about vivian adjusting to new york life and encountering these people and encountering these people and they put on a play like they put on these weird shows throughout the week it's just about like her sex life a little bit. Like she goes from innocent uh-huh. to very much not. No, not so much. Yeah, not so much. Um, so it there is that, but it's just I'm loving it, and I but I can't quite put my finger on why because there's really not a strong plot line yet. Like I haven't reached a climactic moment. Maybe it's coming, but instead it very much reminds me only way more R-rated. Uh, reminds me of Boston Girl. Do you remember when I read that? No. It's been a long time. It, the woman who wrote The Red Tent wrote Boston Girl about this young woman who moves to Boston, I don't know, 20s, 30s, something like that. And great historical fiction if you're looking for historical fiction. But it's just about this girl in a city. 
And that is what this book is about New York in 1940s. And you know what? If you're a theater kid or theater kid adjacent, this book is for theater people. Uh, like there, I am, uh, it'd be a great companion to Limelight, which I read last summer. That's right. Um, I am tagging quotes that are for my theater friends and for me when I was like that theater adjacent person uh-huh. who was like, you know, painting sets in the background. Mm-hmm. Anyway, delightful, but I couldn't tell you why. No idea why. I like that. I like that it's kind of indefinable at this point. And maybe next month when we talk yes. about it again, you'll have a little more to say. Sure. But I like that. It's yeah. up in the air right now. And and so far worth every bit of the 500 pages. Like I haven't thought to myself, Gilbert needs an editor. Uh-huh. Instead, I've just thought, no, I like where you're taking me. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. So good month for you overall. Overall, really good. Weird that I had a book slump somewhere in there yeah. and you can't really tell. No, because you read a lot. Yeah. And you read a lot of really good, high-quality things. And a range, which yeah. I'm, oh, really, totally. I'm really liking. I feel like when you and I have these conversations, I'm really pleased at the end of the month uh-huh. that I've read a wide variety. This does feel like 2019 is the year of the rom-com. Yeah. I feel like I've read a lot of those. Yeah. But many of them have been really good. And nothing wrong with that. No. No. What I about didn't... you? What did you finally read? Um, I started reading... See, and now people are going to laugh <laughs> because I'm reading a first-century Roman epic called the Thebaid. Yep. Um, you can't, you can take the dissertation out, out of the, the boy, but you can't take the boy out of the dissertation. <laughs> sure. Oh. I don't know where I was going with that, but it felt good. You can take the boy out of the dissertation, but you can't take the dissertation out of the boy. There you go. And the thing is my dissertation's on 12th century French poetry and 14th century English poetry. So this is a departure. It's a big departure. <laughs> um, I am reading it because there's a 12th century French adaptation of it Okay. that I don't feel like I can read until I've read the original. Okay. And so I'm reading a modern English translation of this Latin poem about the fall of Thebes. Fun. Yeah. It starts with Oedipus cursing his children to forever be in strife with one another. Is this what you read on the beach? Yeah. It was great. Chris, you're a particular kind of person. I really and am. I really appreciate it about you. But <laughs> <laughs> this is your definition of beach read. This is who I am. <laughs> Out of your five books in your bag, Out of my this five is books. the one you pick. I'm yeah. in the mood for some Latin yeah, and it is in modern English, to be to be fair. My Latin's not very good. But uh, yeah, that's what I started reading this month. Okay, well, I'm proud of you for starting anything. You just Thank finished you. your I dissertation. Know. I know, so, so and it you. was just calling to me from my bookshelf. All right, well, you like, can't help and that. And I grabbed all these other things, and I was like, you know what? Actually, I want to read Statius. Well, and I'm really, I just love getting to hear you say, I wanted to read this, so, so I, I did. did. Yeah. yeah, that's nice. Very Congratulations. Nice. Thank you. of sin, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. From the Front Porch is a production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. Can't even, can't even help it. It's just no. in there. It's produced by me, Annie Jones, and Chris Jensen, and edited by Chris Jensen. If you're interested in purchasing any of the books we've talked about on today's episode, you can do so at bookshelfthomasville.com forward slash shop. Thank you, as always, to Forlorn Strangers for the use of our theme music. It's called Bottom of the Barrel from their album Forlorn Strangers. 
Learn more at forlornstrangers.com or find the current incarnation of the band on social media at The Rally Club. If you'd like to support From the Front Porch on Patreon, you get access to exclusive bonus content, like a new thing we're launching this week. This week. This week. Um, it's launched by now. Oh, yeah, that's true. It launched 48 hours ago. Yeah. Um, highlighting new release Tuesday. Um, you can find us on patreon.com slash fromthefrontporch. You can also check out our website at fromthefrontporchpodcast.com for web-only content and a full back catalog of our show with detailed show notes and links to further reading. This week in the bookshelf, a funny thing happened. Last night, I went out to dinner with strangers. They are podcast listeners. Okay. Paula and Matt. And we went out to Jonah's. And it was delightful and not weird at all. And they, Matt described me as a high-functioning introvert. And it's my new favorite description of myself. <laughs> I don't exactly know what that means. I think it's going to be in my Instagram bio. Gotcha. <laughs> high-functioning introvert. Because, because guys... I'm introverted, but that just means I go home tired. Yeah. In person, I think I'm fine, generally speaking. Me too, for anyway, the most part. So, high-functioning introvert. Love I it. like it. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. <laughs>